And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. Welcome aboard, John. Good evening, everybody. This is the Soapster. Jacob is alongside John in the studio, madly rushing around to cut off the outro before we even get started, right? How you doing, Jacob? Uh, I'm doing okay. Good to see you. Great uh-huh. to see you. We had a, a good week. Uh, uh, did you get to see the movie last week in the stu- in the uh, theater, or did you watch it on your computer? No, I went to the theater. Did you? What was 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 a Pretty well attended, and did you? Uh, actually, I was a little disappointed with the turnout. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But I went to uh, the one in the Regal in Live Oak. Okay. And I was a little disappointed. I was hoping there's going to be more people, but you know, it's on a Tuesday night. People are busy. They're actually working, eating dinner, taking care of stuff. So I was a little disappointed about that. This quite is frankly. our movie producer friend from last week that we had on the program. It talked about this, uh, the movie about. Uh, it was uh, it's gone right out of my brain. I had it in my thought uh, just before the, but it was showing this past week. So I wondered if you had Red Sea before. Miracle. Yeah, that's right. Talking about the coming out of Egypt mm-hmm. and uh, the journey from Egypt. What what sea? What body of water did they cross? And all, very 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 interesting. And then uh, going on to Mount Sinai, and then from there. Up the forty years of wandering in the wilderness, and then the under Joshua's leadership in the book of Joshua, they went into the promised land. Seven years, seven eight years of active warfare, and then a, a number of years where each each tribe was uh, responsible for driving out the uh, 
the Canaanite nations there within the promised land in their own allotment, land allotment. And then, of course, we begin what we're going to be talking about, what we read about this week in the book of the Judges of Israel. We begin this period of time about, what, 300, 325 years uh, where uh, we see the, this series of judges that rise up in uh, in the book of Judges. And that's what we're going to be talking about mainly, I think, chapters 1 through 18 tonight, looking at the book of the Judges and kind of getting a, a sense of what happened, what was uh, what was going on in those years, what God was accomplishing in and through and with his people there in the promised land. So you can give us a call. You can be a part of the well, program. Well, Soapy, because uh, mm-hmm. I had arranged with you for me to That's right. take a few minutes of the That's beginning right. here. You betcha. Uh, let me give that phone number, 210-340-9585, 340-9585. That's the Bible Live uh, call-in line if you'd like to be a part of the program anytime this evening. We're going to be mainly focusing on the book of the Judges of Israel. Okay, my, Me? Sure, it's you. All right. First of all, I want to tell people a little. I want to explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to explain, Lucy. So, do some explaining to So do. actually, but we'll all understand at the end of my comments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I want people to know a little bit about you. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think okay. it's. I don't okay. think it's bad. All right. Uh, but you know, for a long time, this show has been on for years, mm-hmm. and through the week, you did the radio show for years. Mm-hmm. And you used to do for a whole hour, Monday through Friday. And then, of course, it went down to a half hour. And during the Monday through Friday, you would read actually a portion of the Bible twice. And you would take calls during the week. Right. And, of course, on Sunday night was a call-in show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So, but, and that is no longer extant. It's no mm-hmm. longer existing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real deficit. I've always insisted, and you I've talked about that, that having the Bible actually read, I think that's more important than a Sunday night call-in show. Yeah. Always has been. I've always said that to you, and I still mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. so. So the only time you're really still left on the air is on Sunday night call-in show. But I know you're still very familiar with everything you're taught because, you, of course, you've got all those teachings recorded for the years. Mm-hmm. And as I say, the show was on for years. So... And I personally think it's very important for the Christian audience to hear from you as a Christian preacher, because you are. Mm. And I think it's important that they hear the Christian teachings, more so than I. And I do want to say that um, don't I don't want you to blush, but I do want to tell a couple incidents that I want people to know about you. This is important. You'll understand why in a couple of minutes. Um, <clears throat> I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> well, you should be biting your tongue. Perhaps bite your foot. I don't oh, know. Right, right. Um, but um, when I first, and you were, I, I, well, part of what I want to say is a thank you to you. You have had, you've allowed me, a Jew, to come on and talk about the Jewish understandings, and hopefully we had hoped it to make it some harmony, and I think we've achieved a lot of that. I believe so. And what I really wanted to say is, when I first came on, I'm not going to name him, don't get frightened, Mm -hmm. but there was another preacher that came on, and really, he mentioned you and your show by name and Mm -hmm. me, and said he would never allow it on his show. And uh, that night, we met, I'm not going to name who all was there, but we met at Denny's that night when he did it. 
I'm sure you recall. I do. And I got to say that I offered. I would not cause any problems in any situation for you. So I offered to resign, and even though I'd only recently started, I offered to resign from the show. And I think it's important for people to know that at that moment you stood up for me. You actually, and I was pleased and surprised, but you insisted with the people that you should, this should go forward. You wanted it to go forward. Now, you could have capitulated, but mm-hmm. you didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's a very complimentary thing to you, and I've always appreciated that. Secondly, there was another time in a restaurant. I believe it was a Jim's restaurant where some people approached you, and again, you stood up for me. Now, I, I think that's laudable. I think you deserve some credit for that. I want to thank you for doing that. And I want to also say that you've been nice, you've been considerate, you've allowed me to come on to the show. And, uh, and initially, we had some uh, differences of understanding, but that doesn't make one wrong, one right, just differences of understanding. And as the thing developed, I was, uh, I was allowed to actually, for the Jewish audience, dispel one major myth, I believe, uh, and Jews that might be listening, is because among some Jews... They believe that Christians worship worship a human being, a man, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I, if I presented with that, I always say, no, that's really not correct. That's not the understanding. That's not the religion. So on the Jewish end, I do that. You've allowed me on to dispel a Christian myth. And just a couple of quick examples is who was running the temple at that time. Because all the Levites were kicked out. The Romans had taken over the temple, appointed their own guys. They appointed Herod who's not a Jew as king. That's what they did when they conquered a country. We've been able to clear up the issue as why did Jesus call the woman a dog? Mm-hmm. He was not insulting her, and it was not a cultural slander. It was because it was a term used it's from Deuteronomy for a temple prostitute. Also, the, uh, the other thing is uh, I've, I've, we've struggled with, but you've allowed me to uh, fix it, and you've been so kind about this that you've actually removed the question from your list of questions. <laughs> and what I'm referring to is the myth that the reason the Jews didn't like the Samaritans were because they were a mixed breed or half-breeds or half-Jewish, half-Samaritan. That's not true. Nowhere in the Bible. And that's not the reason. So you've allowed me to deal with those myths and a myth that would be uh, popular among some Jews, okay? Mm-hmm. So I want to say all that to you. So that's that's very nice of you. And I think you deserve credit for that. And and you've allowed me to do that. And I'll be very candid with you, and you know this. When I first was going to do the show with you, um, the... Uh, <clears throat> did, did anybody warn you? <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, uh, an, an Orthodox rabbi, somebody mm-hmm. else sat down with me, actually it was more than one, and said, well, are you going to do that show? And I said, yes. And they actually asked... Is he, Soapy, actually going to let you talk? <laughs> and, I, and I said, I believe so. <laughs> anyway, so here's my point. What I want to run uh, to is, first of all, I want to give you credit for those things. Uh, and who you are, you've spent years in the ministry. You've been years with Campus Crusades. You've also uh, you supply many ministers to the military bases at this time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like 30 every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you do that. And I think that speaks very well of you. So I, I have that's a great thing. I, w- I want you to know that I respect that. And I really want the audience to have a certain respect for you. Okay? Now, also I want to add real quickly that uh, 
I will be resigning from the show. Tonight will be my last night. And uh, when I, at 9.30, when, after the 9.30 break, I will no longer be here. I do, but I want to thank you up front for the opportunity because you have given me that opportunity, and I want to thank you for that. And I want people to know some of the nice acts that you've done. So, uh, but I will be resigning. I will be retiring, as you might say, from the show. And from tonight, your long career now. Well, <laughs> it I, has been a long ju- well, journey. Well, I, uh, I I have other prospects that mm-hmm. I will be exploring, mm-hmm. but uh, I do want you to know that. So at nine thirty, I will be leaving the show, and so when you come back on, you will have the opportunity to go back through the Bible, and since you no longer have Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. you will now have the opportunity to go back and do Sunday night show. From the Christian teaching of the Bible, and I personally think that's very important. As I always said, when you had the Monday through Friday show, I thought it was essential that people could hear the Bible read and talked about. Mm-hmm. And you, since you don't have that, the only opportunity you have left to do that is on Sunday night. Mm. So uh, that's what I really wanted to tell you is that I want to, I want to first say thank you to you. I want to say thank you to John. I want to say especially thank you to the audience. It's mm-hmm. allowed me to talk, mm-hmm. and 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 most of, for the most they, they've been very cordial and very receptive. But I really want to uh, I want to leave with a very positive note, knowing every, everybody to know that you're a respectful person, and you've done some very very good things mm-hmm. for your ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, I appreciate you giving me that few minutes to say that. Well, Jacob, I did not. I do want folks to know I I didn't know about this, but boy, I'll be so saddened not to have you at our side and guiding us, because frankly, I don't think you've done anything but enrich our understanding of this old book, uh, and and I really the times I have said it in the past, I don't see how we even we as Christians look. We, you know, we just read this book; it comes to us in English, and we read these stories, and and we. And the further we get away from the root of the scriptures, and, and the roots are all Jewish, they're all Hebrew, the Hebrew language, Hebrew history, Hebrew culture, Hebrew understanding, and, and the further we get, the more we just read it on its surface, and yeah, it can be read that way, and it can be helpful and instructive and and, and edifying to us to read it that way, and, and that's the only way we can read it, really, but it just so helps us to understand that background, the history, the, the the insight that you brought to us is just incredible. It really is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking about the the leaving us thing is kind of a. Um, I don't. Folks don't really understand that. I didn't know this. You're telling me, so I, I didn't know you. Well, were. as reluctant as I am to say, perhaps the text, emails, and perhaps phone calls, <laughs> if you return them, might be of benefit. Yeah, okay. But at any rate, yes, I know we haven't had a chance to discuss in detail. But but, but you've been so enriching in a, in such a blessing. I, I, I'm not sure I'll ever look at the Bible or teach the Bible the same again. I mean, the insights that you've given us over these years now have been so so helpful, really. Well, I do, I sincerely believe that what people hearing the Bible is very important. Yeah. And let's be candid. Mm-hmm. I would say well over 90% of the audience is a Christian no, audience. Sure, yeah. And they know you, and, and let's face it, you're a well-known name. A lot of preachers know you. You also put on the National Day of Prayer, and you've done that for years. So everybody knows you, and everybody, if I say Soapy Dollar, they'll say, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> anyway, but, Such a weird name, right? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great moniker, yeah, you know. Yeah, 
And uh, I was going. I was hoping you had it uh, laminated in your wall and perhaps embroidered <laughs> on your underwear. <laughs> but uh, but anyway. Um, no, that's but, Ralph Lauren, I think. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know why you'd have his name on <laughs> I your, don't either. But why would you put his name on your underwear? Haynes? I don't know. No, it's the Haynes. I thought you said the guy, uh, uh, Haynes, right? Uh, yeah, Haynes yeah. is a Hebrew word for grace. Yeah. yeah. But no, but I do want to say that because I think that's important. But uh, since you're not doing the other show, mm-hmm. and I think that people need to at least have some opportunity, and you'll have that opportunity on Sunday nights for at least this hour and a half mm-hmm. to talk about Christian understanding, and perhaps you'll be kind enough to infuse some things that we've shared along oh, the way. Because yeah. oh, yeah. we've, uh, we, you know, we've been on the show for a number of years, and you've been a pastor for well over 30 years, and with Campus Crusades for over 30 years. So, And like to say, I was really pleased with some of the times you've actually had to stand up and defend me. And people may not realize that, but there is at times when it was not thought of as well to have a Jewish person on here with you to talk about the Bible. I always found that rather odd because I thought I had heard rumors that Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> and and uh, it was a Jewish book. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah. But, but I want to give you those compliments. I want to thank you and John, but you especially bet. the audience. So, you bet. Uh, I've kind of had my say, and I appreciate you letting me have my say. And I'll stay with you until 930, and then I'll let you take it over, and you can begin your new career with just <laughs> with just new, wait, wait, with just new Christian teaching. All right. And perhaps you can infuse some stuff oh, away. Oh, sure, I will. And, and uh, since we hadn't had a lot of time to discuss this idea and so on, uh, I'll just say, yeah, this has been a joy, you know, and obviously Call in and come back in the studio any old time you want and help us and get through. But and uh, remember, that's how you started. I don't know if you remember. I do remember. Years yes. ago, mm-hmm. when we had the program uh, on the Sunday evening, Jacob started out calling in, and he would call in from time to time. You know, there was a real because we were friends before yes. that, yeah. and he would say, "There's this, you know, this perspective of that." And and after a while, people started calling in and say, "Hey, is Jacob there tonight?" <laughs> Well, and and you and I know that we have yeah. a mutual friend that actually, I'm not going to say his name because he yeah. may not want his mm-hmm. name mentioned, but we have a mutual friend that actually has given over a million dollars to the Campus Crusades. Yeah. And you know who I'm talking about. Sure, I do. And, uh, and he's always thought well of you, mm-hmm. and uh, and I believe you thought well of him. Also been and, a great And he's friend, a very yeah. close friend of mine. He's been my friend for 38, yeah. 39 years, mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of business with him, actually. Yeah. And but I do want to say that I really appreciate the times that you stood up and defended me. You betcha. How would I not? You're my friend. Yeah. Well. And uh, you really. I mean, honestly, you've contributed so much to my own life. Well, Jacob, thank you. I'm I'm deeply moved and so grateful. And and let's just see where. We, well, this will be your opportunity to start, here, yeah. as I say, to return to the 100% yeah. Christian teachings. Perhaps you can. Oh, it'll t- be definitely covered. Some. There's no way I, I've been. I've been. Uh, I've been spoiled by the insights that you've given us, and, uh, well, and folks will miss you. I know good and well. I'm going to start. I'm going to get phone calls. And go, Is Jacob there? I have a question for Jacob. That only well, and we'll give it our I, best I, shot. I, I do. I do want to say, and I appreciate <laughs> that. And the audience has been very cordial. And well, I've, sure. I've been appreciative yeah. of all the stuff. So, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, my goal originally when I first agreed to come on mm-hmm. was and to join you and your show was because I was hoping to make some understandings and harmony between 
the Jewish understanding and the Christian understanding. I don't think that it's meant to diminish anything, but it's rather meant to enrich and enlarge. Because mm-hmm. the purpose of learning is to make us larger, not smaller. Right, right. And the real focus is the book. You know, right? It's right. understanding better God's word, what God has said, what God has said about Himself, about His plan, is what He's doing, and uh, that's that's uh, that's what you've enriched our lives with. Thank you, thank you. That was well. I I hope things work well for you, and I hope that a lot of people listen to you and they get back on board with all the hundred percent Christian teaching. That Amen. You do. Well, that too. But I uh, we'll stay in touch, right? And you're not going to uh, I mean, now. See, I'll return more. Emails and texts now probably more faithfully because I've always leaned on the fact I'm going to see him Sunday night. We're going to talk about you. Uh, know, uh, so maybe we'll have to figure out another way. To well, I, 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 uh, I certainly hope that things go well for you and your family. And, uh, and I really and I hope things go well for you, John. Thank you. And uh, I hope, uh, John, you've been a real delight. You've been very supportive. I've often appreciated your, wittis- your witticisms. And John is a I real. Try. Yes, you do. And the trying has been received by me. Well, I just want to say one of the things Jacob does when he comes in here on Sundays, a lot of times, is <laughs> he, he brings us, us, he spoils us with, with treats. It could be donut holes, it could be cookies, it could be a whole pumpkin pie or something like that. So he's helping to, to feed our stomachs as well as our soul. <laughs> yeah, and, food and for it's the body, greatly, food for it's the greatly soul, appreciated. Right. Yeah, it is greatly appreciated. Well, thank okay, well, thank you very much, John. And that was John sponsoring my efforts. <laughs> All right. Uh, but anyway, so I know that we've got a couple of minutes, but I'll yep. start with you till 930, then we'll All I'll right. say goodnight and goodbye. Appreciate it, Jacob. Well, we are going to come back and get into the book of Judges tonight. We're going to pick up a chapter one. We're going to talk about these, uh, what is it, ten? Ten judges, or are there twelve? I've forgotten. Uh, uh, there are twelve. But twelve of them. Mm-hmm. Six long stories, six short stories. Mm-hmm. And they, each of them, as I understand now, the book of Judges uh, essentially is a commentary and a testing of our understanding of God's laws. And if you go through the book of Judges, all 613 laws are there. Uh, broken, and you, if you can go through the book of Judges and see where each law is broken and where the, then you you can pass. Then I guess you're qualified to read on to the book of uh, uh, well, Ruth, right? Then, <laughs> then you're allowed and you're qualified to be a judge. Go, okay, and so uh, and if not, no problem. You go back to Genesis. We start learning again. I got to start all over from the beginning, right? That's not a problem either. Well, uh, so we'll get back into the book of Judges this evening. We'll talk about these twelve. Uh, Eleven men, one woman. Uh, we'll talk about the period of time that they, uh, they, uh, each of them gave leadership to the nation of Israel. Uh, there were these cycles of of uh, time of, of rest that God would give them, and then there would be rebellion, and then retru- then judgment on them, and, and then there would be repentance, and God would send a hero to rescue them, and you'd begin that cycle over again, over and over. And uh, it's it's a lot of great, great lessons that we can learn from it. So we'll get into that when we get back from our break uh, this evening. And again, our phone number is 210-340-9585. And I have a feeling we'll get a few calls tonight in response to Jacob's uh, announcement this evening. But uh, we'll be glad to talk with you about that as well. I know some folks are going to have some uh, words of thanks and gratitude and admiration uh, for you, Jacob, for all the things you've taught us and helped us with over this these uh over these years now right how many years has it been 
that we've been uh, uh, doing I, the I believe together, it's seven or eight years. Oh, yeah. And, and your, your show has been on for uh, well over 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, really, I mean, you spent your life doing this. Yeah, this and, is and you should be. Mm. And you should be congratulated for it. I thank you. We are just about, yeah, it's been, I guess, 20, I've forgotten how many years. Franklin's on the line. All right. Well, let me, let's, can we bring Franklin up? Do we have time? Or do we have to wait for, okay. Hello, my friend Franklin. How are you? Oh, I am basically well, but I'm greatly disheartened. I, I haven't, I, I listened to you for years. I haven't called in for a long time, but Jacob, in the name of Jehovah, the great God of us all, I beg you to reconsider. Your insights have been absolutely marvelous. The Jewish interpretation, the understanding of Hebrew and the original text that you've put forth for us have been so helpful to me through these years. And I please, I beg you, please reconsider. And at least say on to the end of the show, you uh, well, are I, it. Franklin, so I really delightful. Wanna, I really want to thank you. That's very kind of you. And I say even, I, I second the emotion. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and that's very kind of you. And, there's, and, there's, just, there's just nothing like it on the radio anywhere to have your knowledge, Jacob, your 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 depth and breadth of knowledge of Scripture, it is so important and so wonderful. And and the perspectives, and the perspectives you give us, even in the New Testament, uh, how that relates to the Old Testament. I have learned so much from you. I uh, you're a you. very nice man. Thank you, Franklin. <laughs> I don't know about nice, but but I am sincere, and and I, I hope God will reach to you and change your heart on this, because you're needed. You're you're very needed, and thank you're you, in some. Thank you, thank you. Well, so God much. bless you. Thank well, you, sir. He said probably what's in all of our hearts. We've got our music coming up. We've got a forced break coming upon us, but we will be back. And uh, Franklin, we appreciate hearing from you. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for everything you've done, and I, I, I hope you reconsider and, and come back because we love hearing you. Okay. Well, like you say, Doctor Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait, and I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. the call of the kingdom to be children of light with the mercy of heaven the humility of Christ walking justly before him loving all that is right that the You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We will follow, bringing hope to the world, filled with passion. All right, we are back. All right, we're back. We're getting into the book of Judges tonight. 
Uh, yes, Jacob has indeed gone, shook hand, give big hugs, and taken out. Elvis has left the building. Elvis has left the building. Yes, indeed. Well, we'll we'll um, we'll hear back, and we'll keep keep folks up on uh, our good friend, what he's doing, and how he's going. And of course, we are all we have all been enriched and changed. Uh, by our perspectives of the scriptures and in the insights and that he has given to us over these years so hopefully those will be a permanent part of our lives as well now if if we look at the book of judges tonight that's what we're going to focus on these uh 11 men one woman that uh we call it the judges i I was kind of going through the timeline if we put the judges uh, i think it's good to put the the book of uh, the judges into a perspective uh, coming out of Egypt somewhere, usually that's placed somewhere around 1450, 1446 years before Christ. Then you go into the time uh, you know, of the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness, uh, brings us down to about the, the um, 1400. Uh, then you have about 25 years for the from uh, 1400 to 1375 before Christ. You get into the time of Joshua and the conquest, coming back into the promised land. Uh, seven years, there were about seven years of, of outright warfare uh, where they came in, they divided the country, the north and the southern kingdoms, and, and Joshua led a brilliant campaign as they, as they um, conquered the promised land. And then the nation, then after that, each tribe became responsible for, to do to clean up to finish driving out these uh, the Canaanite uh, uh, nation groups. Those that didn't follow after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those that didn't they they were to be driven out. Uh, and th- this was a time of judgment where God is using the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment over the wickedness of the Canaanite nations of that era. There, there was incredible immorality and wickedness way back in the book of Genesis when God, about 400 years before actually, God was talking to Abraham and, and he gave him a view of what was going to happen. And he says, uh, uh, you know, about 400 years down the road now, the, you're going to go in and, and the evil, the wickedness of those nations will be ripe for judgment and I'm going to bring you back into the land and, and uh you will be used as an instrument of judgment on those nations, and this is exactly what we see now. Later on, uh, God uses the Egyptians or, or later, uh, the the Assyrian Empire and its capital in Damascus, and later on Nineveh and in Babylon. He uses other nations as instruments of judgment on Israel. So, I mean, this is not a matter of favoritism or anything. God is moving; He is moving the the nations and people groups around. But this time of the judges comes right after uh, the time of the one in wilderness wanderings right after the time of uh, when about mm, let's say 1375 uh, or so after the time of warfare then you move into this 300 325 year period where uh, each the tribes are in their places uh, each one some of them more more uh, have been more responsible to clear their land and, and, and their cities and so on other than others. You have the uh, cities of refuge in place with the uh, Levites uh, there doing their work and their labor. But there's no king, and there's a theme of the book of Judges. Uh, it's, it's mentioned several times throughout the book, and I think it's the last in the last verse of the book of Judges as well. You see it. It says, Every man did what was right in those days, 
chapter 21, verse 25, in those days Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That is a theme that is mentioned several times in the book, and it it defines pretty well what we see take place in the book of the judges. In this period of 300, 325 years, there would be a time of rest, a time of blessing on the people. Then they would rebel and disobey God, and, and then they would fall under judgment. And God would use um, different pe- people groups, uh, the Midianites or the Amalekites or other groups. They would come in and they would oppress the people, and uh, and they would be judged, and that would bring them to a time of, uh, of repentance and brokenness, they would call out to God, and God would provide a hero. And these, these uh, 12 heroes are these judges, that God would raise up a hero there to guide, to help them, to free them, liberate them from the oppression, and they, w- they would be rescued, and then they would be restored to a time of rest and peace uh, under these different judges. Now, different judges were at different times of... Um, that they would reign and give peace to the land. Uh, we, we can look these out. And in, in starting in chapter 3 is where the judges begin. And they begin with the first of the, of the uh, 12 judges was a young man named Othniel. He was a nephew of, um, of uh, Caleb. A nephew of Caleb. Remember Caleb and Joshua, these two faithful uh, leaders of Israel. And Othniel becomes the first judge of Israel. He uh, captures a powerful Canaanite city and gives the people 40 years of peace, basically. And then he goes on, and then they fall again into this time they fall under the influence and oppression by the Moabites. And then Ehud comes up as as the next judge. Ehud, then Shamgar, and Deborah, the only female uh, judge, comes with Barak, uh, who is uh, who is her battle commander as well. So they uh, defeat Sisera and the Canaanites, and uh, they have a, a victory song. And then, then there's a famous familiar name to us. Gideon is used to, dis- to uh, liberate the people of Israel from the oppression by the Midianites. Uh, and then Tola and Jair. Some of these are very short and very brief times, and there's much, not much told about them. Uh, about, uh, for example, number seven is a man named Ibzan, and all we know is he had thirty sons and thirty daughters. Uh, and <laughs> Abdon, who's number the, uh, let me see, this was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth. Judge was Abzon, uh, Ibzon, Ibzon. I mean, and he had thirty sons and thirty daughters. You see, Abdon, Abdon, the next one, uh, I guess in eleventh. All we know about him is he had forty sons and thirty grandsons, each of whom had his own donkey. <laughs> that isn't that an interesting detail, you know? The, and uh, I've always thought well, that that was actually a reference to his wealth. Because, of course, having your own donkey is like having your own vehicle. You know, everybody had their own car in, the, in, in his particular family. So it talks about the wealth of the individual. But Samson is the last of the 12 that we talk about. And Samson was a, a contemporary of Samuel's, actually. The, Eli and then Samuel, remember the first. Eli uh, was a priest. Samuel is the last. He's kind of a... A bridge between the priesthood and the judges. Samuel is the one who anoints the first king 
of uh, Israel, Saul, and then David. So we see uh, Samuel is that bridge, uh, the one who bridges the time of the judges into the time of the kings of Israel. So we have this 300, 325-year period where the, the judges. Now, as I mentioned before, what we've learned from the insights that Jacob has given us is the books of the judges is it's kind of a primer it's kind of a, a way of learning and seeing that we, do we understand God's laws uh these 613 you have the you have the 10 commandments and then you have these uh the 613 laws that are expansions of the 10 commandments uh in the book of um that we find in the Torah uh and and then now in judges what we do is it, it's kind of a primer or a attesting to see can you identify all the different laws of God that are broken and if you can as we get through the book then we're ready to move on but if not then we go back to Genesis back to the Torah and restudy that's kind of the Jewish perspective of the book uh, as as Christian believers we of course honor that and value that that background but we also see uh, from our our perspective, we're, we're tracing and tracking. We start off as we look at the Bible. We start off in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen. It talks about the fact that after the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, that the human race begins to break down essentially into these two large, large general groups, and that is one: those who seek after the true and living God, the Creator, and, and those who who do not, and they seek they either seek different gods, they make up their own gods, they make up idols, uh, and so on, or they they reject the notion of God and just have for power and control for themselves. But you have these two groups, and and always then the the godly group, the followers, you know, that was when Cain killed Abel, then God gave them another son named Seth, and Seth became the head, the beginning of the godly lineage. But just when we get to chapter 7, by that time, the the whole human race is broken into these two groups, but the but the God seeking group consists only of Noah and his family, eight people, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, and so uh, the judgment is brought upon the whole planet, uh, upon the whole human race, and God begins again now with Jonah, with Noah and his family, with with the great flood, and so on. But but then what we see happen then is that after that. He, uh, we come to the Tower of uh, the Babel, and we see God puts in place nations and people groups. He confuses the language of the human race so that people are broken into competing people groups, cultural groups. Some people live on the islands. Some people live in the mountains. Some people live in the desert. And, and we have these competing groups, uh, culture, social uh, nations, what we would call. And therefore, that serves as a a mitigating factor, a mitigating influence on the sin nature which has been released into the human race so that we no longer stay together and walk together in lockstep to judgment and destruction. But now there are competing groups, and it keeps the whole race from walking into destruction. And so the the nations and people groups are part of the plan of God uh, to preserve the human race at large, to keep us from moving in lockstep to judgment and destruction once again. And so then God picks up Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He begins to work with this man of faith. Uh, it wasn't an ethnic, it wasn't a, a, a genetic decision. It's not, a, it's not a racial decision. He picked a man of faith who loved him and following him 
and he begins to work with them. And this is where we get into what is called covenant. God began a covenant. That's where the idea of testament come from, uh, comes from. God began a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob with his people. Now, the covenant that God began, is there, there, there's essentially two branches of this covenant. One is an earthly covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then later under Jacob, you got to Joseph is sold down into slavery down in Egypt, and, and the tribes go down and they live in Egypt for 400 years, and then they become a nation of slaves. And then the, the Exodus, Moses is called to bring them out of Egypt. So God, there's a covenant that's an earthly covenant that I'm going to uh, I'm going to work at Abraham and Isaac. I'm going to work with you and your descendants as a people group. I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to bless you. And as long as you follow me and trust me and obey me and the commands that I give you, I'm going to, I will preserve you as a people. I will preserve you. I will bring you to the land, the promised land, and I will protect you and, and preserve you uh, if you will follow me. So there's an earthly idea that God will bless them and the, and, and, as a people, as they are faithful to Him, and what they're so what they're uh, what they're charged to do as a nation, as a people group, is they are charged to follow after God, to obey God, and to know God, know their God, and make Him known. And so they uh, they do that with often on success, some better in times of a better a blessing, and then there are other times like God told them and promised in the word there were times when they walked away from God and and he brought oppression and he allowed oppression to to bring them back to himself and so we see that earthly covenant working out about them now on top of that there's another layer of the covenant that involves not only them as a people group and this was never and this was never racial and I think Jacob has really been helpful to me to understand that I've always I always had a little bit of a problem with the idea of the racial uh, ethnic aspect that what well, this God is no this Israel was always a much broader ideal uh, like we're going to get after the book of Judges we'll read the book of Ruth and we're going to find out here is a Moabite little Moabite girl that becomes part of Israel and that happens over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament you see this was never racial in, in a sense this was also a, always about a, a, a faith about those who would be faithful to follow after the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob. And, and God would, would bless them, and he would prosper them, and he would protect them uh, in that. And, so that. and the other aspect of that is that he would bring through that lineage, through that, that uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and, and the nation of Israel. And, finally, and we see this is where we get over 300 prophecies about this, this hero. First mentioned back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, but then we find out that this this Messiah, this Savior, uh, not just for Israel, but of Savior of the world. Uh, this one would come, and he would come through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he would be through the lineage of the first of the second king of Israel, King David. And so, all through these all through this journey, we see this this earthly covenant that God has with this people, calling them to be faithful, not only to know Him but to make Him known. So the nation of Israel there is. Standing up for God, they're trying to. They should be following after God, uh, even during the time of the. And here they are, that an incredible little piece of real estate, uh, with all the powers of the, of, the, of the world of that era of those centuries around them, Egypt 
And then there was there was the Assyrian Empire with their capital in Damascus. Later on, uh, in their capital in Nineveh, and later on after that, the the um, Babylonian Empire with their capital in Babylon, and the Medo Persians took over in Babylon. And then and then comes Alexander the Great and the Greeks who destroy. Uh, them and and then after Alexander the Greek Empire breaks into the uh, the Roman Empire in time so you just all of these are predicted and foreseen by the great prophet uh, Daniel uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures as well so that's the flow that we're watching and as we walk through the Old Testament uh, we are looking at what God is doing with the people of Israel. With, as they are following him and obeying his laws and trusting him, we, we get a picture of God's dealing with them is a picture of God dealing with, with all of his people. And uh, the all, all, way, all the way through the Old Testament, it's never just about Israel. It's never just about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. It's always about the whole world. God was always interested in the other nation groups and people groups of the world, and he used Israel in a redemptive way to help keep alive the the vision and understanding of the tr- one true living God, uh, the God of Abraham, the, the monotheism, the one God. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. And uh, so we see those that we're tracking those two covenants, one having to do with them as a people and their, their preservation and that God would preserve them and use them as they've walked with God and made him known to others around them, and also that he would bring through that that people group, the Messiah, the Redeemer, who then would uh, make real. As you read through the Old Testament, there's always this backdrop of God loving the nations, the whole world. It's always a member of David crying out in the psalm, let all the nations praise God. Let every nation, every tribe, every language, let it all. Well, that was always the, that was always the view. That was always the, the vision. And the Messiah then came as we understand the this predicted messiah he fulfilled all the the predictions and the prophecies and that we see in the hebrew scriptures the tanakh the old testament and and a messiah broke into the scene in the times of the roman empire now, after malachi had finished there was these 400 years uh where there was no great prophet that we have like in the scriptures 400 years and then comes john the baptist on the scene to be that prophet um like uh, like the great prophet Elijah, that he would prepare the way for the Messiah, the Redeemer. And so John the Baptist does it. And we, we rock back and forth between the Hebrew Scriptures here and back into the New Testament uh, as well. We, we go back and forth, and we begin. But, but, the, but the panorama, the, the, the flow of the biblical narrative, there's one, one uniting principle is that Messiah that Savior, that Redeemer that God is going to send to, so that all of the humanity. Uh, in, see, there's only one plan of redemption. There's only one Savior, one salvation uh, that God has given. Even those in the Hebrew Scripture, in the Old Testament, the men and women who lived in that time and, and in those eras, uh, they look forward to the Messiah. All of the, the sacrificial systems, uh, all of the the different uh, the temple I mean the tabernacle and later on the temple and all of the instruments all of the uh, vision pieces we pick up through the Old Testament they all are pointing forward continually to this idea of substitutionary atonement God is going to send a, a savior uh, re, all of those lambs and all those bulls and goats that were sacrificed they were pictures of God's redemptive plan through 
that he would send in, in pictures of the work of the of the Redeemer, of the Savior, the Messiah. So that's that's what we as 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 followers of Jesus Christ. And I I'm a little I've gotten a little wary of calling ourselves Christians. I mean that I hate to say it, and I don't mind the word obviously, and there's nothing shame involved. But essentially, though. What we have bought into, I'm I'm Native American, I'm a Mescaloy Apache from my from my ethnicity and background, but when I was very young, I heard this story about this one, this this Jewish uh, man who was born, you know, two thousand years ago, and he claims to be the Messiah, and and as I studied and read, I I came to trust. I, I believe that he was God's son, the this eternal son of God incarnate who took on flesh to carry out this work of redemption and, and the savior of the world. Uh, and so – but when I did that, essentially what I was doing, I'm buying into the Jewish revelation. I mean – it's Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the prophets and the, and the message and the, uh, the, the flow of the redemptive plan that's laid out in the Hebrew Scriptures, and the prophets and, and, and so on. And it's a Jewish Messiah himself. And as I mentioned to one uh, Jewish rabbi here in the city one time, he said, in the religious sense, how do you identify yourself? And I said, you know, most of the time I just think of myself, uh, I think I'm Jewish. I've I'm following after the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, J- and I know it shocked him a little bit the first time I told him, but that's we're the ones who have now bought into the revelation of Scripture, the the Hebrew revelation, God revealing Himself through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and um, I, I it, it is a really amazing, interesting thing though how that we have uh, how that God has broken off now. There's the, this thing called Christianity. Those who know and follow after Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, is now in every nation of the world. There are millions and millions of believers that have come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the work of this carpenter this uh, from the tribe of Judah in the first century that has brought us into uh, into uh, Israel. Now, we, as Paul himself in the New Testament says, we, we are now grafted in to the nation of Israel, as Jesus himself points out, that we have now become part of Abraham's uh, descendants, the descendancy of faith uh, that we have uh, come into as we've trusted in Jesus the Messiah. So that's the kind of the flow. So we can now look at the book of uh, Judges, at these 12 people, and we, we kind of figure out what are the lessons that we get as God's people, see we are we are God's people living now in the in the year 2020. Uh, we, you know, it's a far distant time from the times of the Bible. I mean, uh, technologically and in every way, we are so advanced. We're now seeing the prophecy, the prediction that Daniel made in Daniel chapter 12, that there would be an explosion of knowledge uh, at the end of the of the age. There would be this. People travel with the world become smaller. We travel so much, and there would be this explosion of information and knowledge. Uh, I can't imagine this not being it. Seemingly, it's a perfect description of what Daniel tells us about in in chapters nine through twelve of his book. And so we are living in that era, but we can learn now as the people of God, as God, we are now the the people of Israel. We are a nation of Israel. We can learn as we look at what these nations did, uh, and and what they experienced when God, when they followed after God and trusted God and and took seriously their commitment to our commitment now to God 
God would bring blessing and he would protect us and guide us. And we see that in every stage of history, not only in biblical history, but we've seen that in our own nation, in in, in this in the United States of America, birthed out of, out of a faith and trust in the God, the biblical God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Scripture. Uh, God has blessed this nation incredibly as we have followed after Him. To not every, it doesn't mean that every American citizen was a born again Christian, but that we. Uh, we, we revered God, we respected God, we believed as a nation and the consensus of the nation. There was a consensus to honor and follow after God, obey Him and honor Him with our lives. And God blessed this nation. Now we seem to be heading a different direction and uh, moving away from faith and overt trust and obedience to God. And I think we're going to see some of the same things we see in the book of Judges. We're going to see God is, there'll be consequences if we walk away from God. So it's a very important time for us as believers to stand up and be faithful and praying for our nation and living out our faith. Well, there's our music. Uh, This little segment has swung by quickly, but we'll come back now and get more specifically into the book of the Judges. We'll talk about some of these men and women what they did, some of the lessons we can learn from them. So don't go away. The Bible Live will be right back. And grace my fears relieve You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And grace the If you believe it, you really believe it, the Lord will smile upon you. If you believe it, really believe it, the Lord will smile upon you. You know He loves you, He really loves you. This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Blessings, if you believe Really believe it. The Lord will smile upon you. I don't think anyone will believe and know who that is. I don't. I wonder if anybody of our listeners would recognize that voice and who that is. I don't think so, John. Where in the world did you find that? He did a spiritual EP that I have. Is that a fact? I don't know. Um, only the old the old timers would remember Ricky Nelson. Can you believe it? I didn't know that Ricky Nelson uh, sang any songs about God or the Lord uh, back in his era. Then time that be that's interesting. It really is. Well, welcome back, folks. This is the third segment, our final half hour of the Bible Live broadcast. If you'd like to give a call and insight, a thought, or a question about the passages or anything about the Bible. Um, Something we may have shared this evening or something, a question that might have been on your mind about the scriptures, about the Bible, about what it means to know and follow after the Lord. Uh, we'll be glad to try to be here and talk with you about it and, and hear your con- your ideas and your, your um, comments. So um, now let's pick up at the book of Judges. I've kind of given the historical setting of this. It comes after the time of conquest, about 25 years uh, of from uh, about, I would say, somewhere around 1375 uh, to 1050. That's about a 325-year period and where the people of Israel are, are in the land of Canaan, 
and you have these different periods of time. Now, the first, uh, the first of the of the um, judges, we pick up in chapter three, I, be- I believe. It talks about Othniel. Um, <clears throat> Uh, in chapter 3, verse 7, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to the king, Kushan Rishathaim of Aram Naharaim, and the Israelites served Kushan Rishathaim. <laughs> all those big names, right? For eight years, uh, he, he oppressed them and ruled over them. And then it says the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord raised up a rescuer, a hero, to save them. His name was Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenoth. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became the first of Israel judges. He went to war against King uh, Kushan Rishathaim of Aram. Now, Aram is that is that... it's it's actually the first of the powerful kingdoms. Its, its capital was to the north of Israel, uh, north, 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 northwest. The capital of Damascus became eventually the capital of that of that uh, a large kingdom up there. Uh, and, and it you know it lasts for uh, hundreds of years. You remember that David, King David, had relationships with the king of Aram up in that region from Damascus as well later on. But uh, so he came down and oppressed them, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. So was there there was peace in the land for forty years. Then Othniel, son of Canas, died. So there you have the the experience and the reign of the first judge of Israel. And this was typical. This was uh, as I said, there were these now these cycles of of rest and peace and prosperity times of peace and prosperity God would give them, and then they would drift away from God into rebellion, into sin. They would fall into idolatry, following after the, the gods of, of, of uh, instead of being a positive influence to lead away from the idolatry and the worship of pagan gods and, and all the immorality and, and, and the corruption that went along with that, they would give into it, and then God would bring about, allow them to be judged, then they would cry out to the Lord. Then he would send a hero uh, to redeem and to uh, liberate them from their oppression. So we, we see that picked up in uh, the first judge, Othniel. And then comes Ehud. Ehud is a very interesting. Uh, now, each one of these judges, uh, it tells a little bit of the story, some more than others. Ehud is a left-handed fellow. Uh, he now, now keep in mind what Jacob often explained to us as we go through these different experiences uh, and hear, hear about these different judges. Uh, what we're seeing as well is that uh, God, we're, we're taking note of the 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 laws of God that are broken by His people. Here we have idolatry uh, under in the time of Othniel. They begin to worship uh, the false gods, uh, Baal and, and Asherah poles and that sort of thing. Now, these are all present. These are the, the corrupt, uh, immoral practices of – and the cruelty, actually a great deal of cruelty and, and murder and crime was involved in these. This was all a part of the Canaan uh, – the people groups that lived in Canaan. 
This was, and he, actually, they've done archaeological digs and study in the history back in that era, and there was incredible cruelty and immorality taking place uh, in Canaan. And, and as God had said in, in, in the book of Genesis to Abraham, that the sin of the Canaanite nations would be ripe for judgment. And so God uses Israel as an instrument of judgment on them. But at the same time, Israel does not divorce themselves from this immorality, from uh, the idolatry and the worship of false gods. And so it, they, instead of instead of insisting on and eliminating it and moving it out for the good of the people of the nation, they would sometimes give in to it, the temptations of it and so on. And then, of course, it would bring about... Uh, uh, Judgment by the Lord and then repentance and restoration. So you you see these cycles that are going to take place. Ehud now is a very interesting one in chapter 3. Uh, they, they Once again, it says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel. Remember the Moabites from the, down in the southern part of uh, – south of Israel. Uh, and they he gave them um, – the Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon insisted, uh, enlisted the Ammonites uh, from the eastern side of the Jordan and the Amalekites from the south as allies, and they went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho. Remember that city that first they conquered, and they went into the promised land under Joshua. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. They were under oppression. And sometimes, you know, they would take their food source, they would take their crops uh, and oppress them as a nation. And then it says, verse 15, but when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, God again raised up a a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gera, a left-handed fellow. This is kind of interesting because that was one of his distinctives. He was a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. and what is interesting about his being left-handed is the Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money. Uh, they were paying tribute to King Eglon of Moab. And so Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. And he brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very, it says, very fat. After delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped to carry the tribute but when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. And, and the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room. And he said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger, strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. So the idea of his left-handedness probably became a part of his deception. I, I'm, I'm guessing uh, that's the reason it made a point of him being left-handed. Um, maybe they knew his left-handed, so they checked his left foot for the knife or something, but he had it on the right, uh, his right um, uh, leg, and so it was concealed, and uh, he, delivered, he was delivered then. Ehud escaped. And uh, and he became called to sent out a call to arms, and he led a band of Israelites down from the hills, and the Lord will give you victory over Moab, your enemy. So the Ehud now becomes another uh, deliverer, another cycle, uh, another hero that God uses and brings 
to Israel a time of 80 years of peace and prosperity. So Israel would serve the Lord. They would fall into sin and idolatry. They would be brought, God would use another people group to bring them, to enslave them and to oppress them. Then Israel cries out to the Lord. God raises up a judge, a hero. He delivers them from that oppression, and they are restored again to a time of rest and prosperity and well-being. Now, why in the world? We ask ourselves over and over again, when you read through the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, you're going you're gonna to read that and you go, what in the world is wrong with these people? Don't they, can't they see what's happening? You know, and Can't they stay faithful? But just from one generation to – and that's where we get the saying that's very well known that, that we're always on one, only one generation away from abandoning faith. Every generation has to be faithful to stand up for the Lord. And I, I see that in America even today. Uh, there is a great amount of talk, uh, and, and I'm not trying to go political, well, uh, beyond politics, actually, but there's a great deal of talk about this newer generation is buying into uh, into um, socialism, and there's an abandonment of God and a rise in the idea of, 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 of um, uh, being atheism and so on, agnosticism. And, and there's... There's definitely something to it, that, but the whole point is every generation has to raise up new young men and women, and I, I think it's going to come up real soon. It's going to be important for you young men and women out there who know God and love God and are following after God. You're going to have to take your stand soon, and you're going to be responsible for your generation to help share the message of the gospel and help uh, challenge men and women to walk with God, to obey God, to trust God. And and uh, you're going to have to win. Every generation has to to do that, win that battle to reach your generation for the cause of Christ. I've been a part of a ministry that's had as part of our objective to help fulfill the Great Commission. Now, what is the Great Commission? Remember Jesus in chapter 28 of the book of Matthew talks about how we're to go into every people group, uh, every na- group around the world that we're going to, and we're to make disciples. That's our role. It's to win others to Christ, to build them in their faith, and and then obey, and then and send them, equip them <clears throat> to be able to go and share their faith and reach others in their people group. And that that's called the Great Commission, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses eighteen through twenty. And now the, this message of the gospel the, the, about the true and living God and how to be reconciled to God is has exploded around planet Earth. Every nation, every tribe, every language group. I've been to so many of these, uh, India, Mongolia, Ukraine, uh, down in Latin America, these, and, and God's Word is traveling into tribal groups and down in the Amazon uh, um, forest, uh, the rainforest of the Amazon, and across into the great into Egypt, back into, into uh, Arabic nations and so on, Islamic nations even. The gospel is, is prospering. It's gone. It's been there. I remember being in Ukraine. I was just telling some folks about that This uh, in that part of the world, back into Kazakhstan. And, uh, and I remember uh, uh, um, a Muslim imam coming and asking, could you come and bring the Jesus film to our mosque? And there was a, a phenomenon back in that era called the uh, um, um, 
messianic mosque, which is kind of almost a contradiction of terms. But uh, but we take that message and we present the message of God loves you. God can has sent His Son to bring a re, to reconcile to pay the penalty of our sin, and so that men and women can be reconciled and come back into that relationship, restore that relationship with God. And frankly, I hate to say it, I don't want to confuse everybody out there, but this is this is a truth that goes beyond religion, beyond the label on the bottle. This has to do with, with the relationship with God, who God is, and with Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, and and uh, you know the idea that there could be a messianic mosque who who trust in and revere and see Jesus for who He was, the Savior, the Redeemer. Um, it, it's not it's not a measure necessarily of the label on the body on the bo- bottle. It's what's in the bottle, what people actually believe in about God. Each individual in their private heart of hearts and so we take that message and we try to lead men and women and then families and then villages and people groups uh come the, the message spreads those who love god and desire god and want god uh they if they're willing and they come to see jesus uh the messiah for who he is then they they too can be grafted in to the people of god around the world but again this is dynamic. It's moving. It's changing. And uh, just because our grandparents and another generation followed after God, uh, I, I, w- I was looking at some things that John this past week online. I was looking at the generation, the World War II generation, mm-hmm. and how many of the men and women of Hollywood of that era, Stuart, you know, I mean, you can see that John Wayne, others, how many of them were God fearing, believing men and women? They, they, mm-hmm. They stood up for and talked and revered faith. You know, Tennessee Ernie Ford and so many others in that era. You could tell that there was a the respect for and a reverence for faith and for God that was there that was alive. And and so we need to pray for our own nation and and this new generation coming up needs to be uh, young men and women. You're going to have to stand up and take your stand for Christ and and um, and be the people of God. Be salt. Be light for your generation even as others have been uh, in generations that have gone before us. So so we've got, uh, let me see, who did I say we, as we look through the list of our Othniel, then we have Ehud, um, and then let me see, after Ehud I think is when we get to the Shamgar. And all we know about Shamgar, it says after Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel, and he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. That's all we know. That's about it. An ox goat is the uh, uh, when, whenever they're plowing their fields, there would be a sharp edged uh, stick that was kind of the plow. Uh, no, the the goad was what they would use to goad the oxen forward. That's right. Uh, and, and so he used an ox goat, and it was a great warrior, evidently. Uh, and God used Shamgar. It's unrecorded the number of years that he brought peace. To the land, but then we come to Deborah, who is a very remarkable uh, uh, one of the judges, um, the only female. Uh, but but uh, Deborah, the wife of uh, Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would send it under the palm of Deborah. It said in in chapter four, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, Ephraim. And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. And one day she sent for Barak, son of uh, Abinoam, 
who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. And I would give the details. And a very interesting about thing about the book of Judges, if you can get it with a map, it's very interesting to see the different uh, tribes and the different cities out of which these judges came. It's kind of interesting to watch that uh, that process. But she sent for Barak and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun on Mount Tabor, uh, Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, command, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River, and I will give you victory over him." So they were they had fallen again into sin and rebellion against the Lord, and they had fallen fallen under uh, the the oppressive rule of this other people group. And so Barak comes and he said, "I will go, but only if you go with me." There's always, there's an interesting relationship between this woman judge, uh, Deborah, and this commander of her troops, Barak. Um, there's an interesting dynamic there that you can. Um, Think about and study as you read their story. But <clears throat> so Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, and it's an interesting story. There's another woman that takes a prominent place uh, uh, role in this particular liberation. They go and they uh, they have a battle now. Heber the Kenite. Now the Kenites were a different group within the Canaanite people. And they were akin, a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law, Hobab. We read about him back in the book of, of, of Genesis, uh, a descendant uh, uh, in Exodus. Remember Moses' father-in-law? Uh, the name doesn't come to me. He'll get it in a moment. Well, he had a, a, a Hebrew, the Kenite, was a descendant of Moses' brother-in-law. Uh, and and so there is a relational here. There is a, it goes back. Uh, but this... Uh, Caesar was the was the general of the oppressing nation over them, and he called out his iron chariots, <clears throat> and they marched against the people of Israel, and uh, they had this battle. <clears throat> excuse me. And Caesarah, in looking verse uh, uh, seventeen, Caesarah ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, and th- this commanding general of the enemy army uh, broke away from the battle. He was fleeing for his life, and he went to the Heber, the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. And Jael went out to meet him and said, Come into my tent, sir. Don't be afraid. Come in. He went into her tent. She covered him with a blanket. Give me some water and said, I'm thirsty. She gave him some milk from the leather bag. And he went to sleep. Standing at the door of the tent, he told her, if anybody comes and asks if there is anyone here, say no. So when Sisera, this enemy general, fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg, and she drove the tent peg through his temple into the ground. (laughs) I mean, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just saying, wow, Um, this is very real, uh, what's going on here. And so... The, these stories, there's always an earthliness to them. There's always a God is at work through real men and women in real situations. And that's where life takes place. And so God uh, that day uh, helped Israel defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against him until they finally liber- were liberated and destroyed him. So you've got uh, that was the story of Deborah. Now, Deborah. Uh, writes a song and sings it. You see chapter 5 of the book of Judges is a song of Deborah uh, celebrating the victory 
that God gave them. And uh, kind of reviewing the history of the people of Israel, uh, a beautiful, actually, poem on Psalm that we can read there in chapter 5 of the Judges. And then we come, the next judge that we come upon is this, this man named Gideon. And we're a little more familiar with him. We're a little bit familiar with Gideon. We'll come back and, and talk about less, next week. We'll pick up with Gideon. We'll finish the book of Judges and mention them. Uh, we, we have Gideon ahead of us uh, in this 325-year period of the Judges. Uh, Gideon is there. And then uh, uh, Tola, Jair, Jephthah is very interesting. One, he makes that rash vow. Ibzan, Elon, Abdon. And then Samson, the final of the 12 Judges that we read about, uh, who's a contemporary of Samuel. And, and Eli. So we then we see we all. I think we might remember a lot of folks have heard the story of this Samson. Remember the one that had the supernatural strength as long as his hair. He would, he took a a, Nazar, a Nazarite vow that he would not cut his hair and no alcohol, and and yet he had this fatal flaw of character that was used to bring about his defeat and to bring. Uh, but he still. Uh, ultimately became an instrument of judgment that God used uh, against the Philistines, and God delivered them from oppression. And then we move on to the the time of Eli, the priest, and Samuel, the bridge between the time of the judges on into the time of the kings. We'll get that into that next uh, next week. Now, uh, that's where we are. We, we've just got a few minutes left. I do want to Recall and remind our folks that Joseph may have tuned in a little late. Uh, Jacob has come in this evening, and we normally have him on the air and with us and guiding us and helping us as we move through uh, these different passages, particularly helpful but in, in the Tanakh and the Old Testament scriptures, giving us insights, the Hebrew language, culture, history, that perspective that has rich, enriched our understanding of the scriptures so very, very much and been such a blessing to us. But uh, he is not going to be with us for a moment, for a time. It could be a, a temporary break or it may, may be that we move on. Uh, he's got some other ideas in mind that he mentioned in his opening announcement to us. So we uh, pray God's richest blessings on him, our friend, our and the Lord. And we just ask that God will bless him and keep him and keep on using him for his glory so that's our music we're out of here and as Jacob would say be the kind of man that God would want to be that you would like to have as a father dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture mailing address is P.O. Box 18888 that's Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.